to Yesterday Today, bringing you the best of yesterday's radio today. I'm your host, Jake Westbrook, and it's only me today. Usually, usually I'm joined by my brother, McLean, and of course, our intern, Sydney, and oh, a whole host of other people. But for whatever reason, it was just one of those days where I'm the only one. I'm the only one who was able to show up here. So, well, it's not too big of a deal, though, because now I have the chance to present to you a couple of shows um, appropriate for the time of the month we're moving into. It is Halloween season, of course, and nothing quite gets you in the mood for Halloween like a good, uh, spooky, old-time radio show. I'm I'm talking the kind of thing that's um, more, you know, atmospherically spooky than, like, downright... How do I explain this? Actually, what I'm trying to say is, and it ties back into my problem with most uh, scary movies, especially, especially modern ones, I've always been more of a, uh, a suspense guy. I like, I like spooky things, atmospheric things, uh, straight up like murder and like uh, serial killers running around and terrible kinds of movies Hollywood makes where it just jump scares every five seconds. Like, no... Just, just no. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock. That guy knew how to. That guy knew how to direct a good movie. But anyway, I'm rambling off on my own interest now. As our producer would say, "Quit yakking and play a show for the people." <laughs> I've, uh, I've been working on my impression of him. Uh, I can't stand that that Sydney Snorthoff. Dating my daughter. It's why I'm in the sanitarium at the moment. <laughs> uh, if he hears this, he'll kill me. Anyway, this is an episode of the classic spooky old-time radio show, Inner Sanctum. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, waiting to act as your guide through the squeaking door on a specially prepared travelogue. Mm-hmm. First, we'll take a little jaunt with Jeopardy along the path of peril, where we'll prowl with panic until we take the left turn into Horror Highway and thence via Terror Turnpike straight into the road to ruin. <laughs> I don't think I like your itinerary, Mr. Host. If you don't mind, I'd much rather take a shortcut to the Highway of Happiness via the kitchen. And uh, pray tell us, by what signpost shall we recognize your blithesome Highway of Happiness, Mary? Well, you'll just know you're headed for pleasure when you take your first taste of swell Lipton tea. Because, oh, what a world of contentment there is in every cupful. What flavor, what wide-awake flavor. No wonder the tea experts say there's only one word to describe Lipton's, and that's brisk. No wonder more folks enjoy Lipton's than any other brand of tea in the world. It's because Lipton tea never tastes dull, flat, or dreary. It's always lively and cheery. Yes, Lipton's is the world's favorite tea, and it will be your favorite, too, once you taste that brisk Lipton flavor. So be sure you try Lipton tea. Thank you. 
listen now to the strange tale of a boy and his twin sister and their dog and the records of Hurricane Cove. It's called Detour to Terror. An original radio play written especially for Inner Sanctum by Emil Teppelman. And here is Mason Adams as Jerry Watson to tell you the story himself. I had a strange, uneasy feeling all evening after Linda left to drive to Hurricane Cove. Somehow I had a presentiment of danger. Linda and I were twins, and always, in some uncanny way, each of us had been able to sense when the other was in trouble. Tonight, the feeling was very strong. Butch sensed it, too. He was only a mongrel pup, but he was smart. I shouldn't have let Linda go alone, but she had insisted. She was a feature writer for the Manhattan Magazine, and she'd run across the trail of a story about an old family of wreckers who lived down by the shore near Hurricane Cove. The tale went that this family had made a living in the old days by placing false signals on the shore in order to lure ships onto the rocks and then loot them. It was this story that she'd gone to investigate. Unwilling to go to bed with that uneasy feeling lying heavy upon me, I dozed in the chair by the fire with Butch's whine in my ears. It must have been a dream, because I saw Linda's white face floating in a sort of haze. And then I saw the fear in her eyes as she called to me. came awake suddenly with a cold sweat on my face. Butch was on his haunches by the fireplace, nose in the air and howling as if for the dead. I felt myself trembling. Linda, Linda in danger. Somewhere, somewhere out in that storm, Linda was calling to me for help. She needed me terribly. Come on, Butch, we're going after her. I was speeding through the storm out along Highway 9. I remembered Linda's telling me just what route she'd take. See, Jerry, I'll go out on 9 to here and then turn off on the old shore road. It isn't used much anymore, but it's the shortest route to Hurricane Cove. And if I leave now, I should be there by midnight. The mist lay heavy on the old shore road and the rain drove against the windshield... And the swirling fog played strange tricks with my eyes. But I knew I was almost an hour behind Linda, and I had to make time. Now, don't worry, Butch. We'll catch up to her. We'll find her. I could only go faster. It's fog. I can't see 20 feet ahead of me. Hey! It's a red lantern on the road. What? What? It's a detour sign. Bridge ahead, washed out. Detour. What do I do, Butch? How do I know what Linda did? Did she drive straight ahead or did she take the detour? I've got to know I can't sit here. Wait. We'll take the detour, Butch. And pray it's the right choice. This detour isn't taking us anywhere, Butch. I don't think Linda came this way. Maybe she didn't see the detour sign back there. Drove into the washed-out bridge. Maybe that's what the danger was. 
No, she couldn't have missed that red lantern even in the fog. She must have turned off. She must have come this way. Hey! There's the car, boy. storming the ditch and blocking the road. It's Linda's car. Come on, let's get to her quick. Gosh, it's coming down and fucking... Never mind the lightning. Let's go. She's not in the car, Butch. I don't see her in the car. Oh, no, she's not in here. Linda! Linda! Where could she have gone, Butch? She was always scared of thunder and lightning. Linda! How can we look for her in the dark and the fog? What is it, Butch? What have you found over there? I'm coming, Butch! I'm coming! Where, Butch? Where, behind the tree? All right. Linda. Linda. She's not... She's... Linda. Open your eyes. It's scary, Linda. Linda, don't... Don't be scared, Linda. Everything's all right. It's me. It's Jerry. Oh, oh Linda. Jerry. Yeah. Oh, thank heaven. Oh, Jerry, take me away from here. Sure, kid. Come on. Here, I'll, I'll help you out. Come on. My car's over this way. I must have fainted. I knew you'd come, Jerry. I had a feeling you would. I was afraid it might be too late. Here, get in the car. Yeah. Come on in, Butch. <coughs> Gosh, you're soaked to the skin, kid. What happened here? Well, there... There was a man. He was hiding up there behind a tree. The headlights caught him when I got stalled in the ditch. How'd you come to land in the ditch? Well, there's a tree lying across the road. See, look over there. You can just see it in the headlights. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Gosh, it's a big one. Must have been struck by the lightning. That's what I thought at first. But when I got out to look at it, I saw that it wasn't struck by lightning. Why? Jerry, that tree has been deliberately cut. Linda, are you sure? Sure I am. It's been cut by a saw. The minute I looked at it, I realized it wasn't any accident. Somebody meant to block this road. Great Scott. So I hurried back into the car and I tried to turn around. I wanted to go back. You couldn't have turned around anyway. This road is too narrow. Yeah, well, I was too scared to realize that. I started backing up and the rear wheels landed in the ditch. And it was just then that I saw the man. He was coming out from behind the tree and he was all hunched up so I couldn't see his face. Then when the headlights struck him, he ducked back and he disappeared. Well, I was afraid to stay in the car, so I jumped out and I started to run. Then I could hear him coming after me. And I must have tripped and my head struck something. That's all I knew till you found me. Are, are you sure it was a man you saw again? Yeah, positive, Jerry. I don't get it. What was the idea of blocking the road? What's the matter, boys? He hears something. Look over there. Someone running through the woods carrying something. I'm going after him. Careful, Jerry. Look. Butch has that man by the trousers. Oh, he kicked Butch. Hey, you don't just kick my door. Hey, be careful. Come on back here, you. Hey, I'm coming with you. Oh, it's no use. He ran away in the night. Uh, are you all right, Butch? Look, Jerry. Whoever he was, he dropped what he was carrying. Uh, what is it? It looks like a big board of some kind. Here, I'll turn the flashlight on. Oh, it's a sign. It has lettering on it. What's it say? What's well, that? Great Scott. What is it, Jerry? It says, bridge ahead, washed out, detour. Jerry, this is the detour sign from the highway. Yeah. 
They only put it up there to lure you onto this back road. Then they blocked the road with a tree. Kid, it looks like we're in some kind of a trap. back in my car, wet and shivering, Linda, Butch, and I. We tried to figure out what to do. Don't you see, Jerry? This is the way those old-time wreckers used to work. They'd place false signals on the shore so that the ships would be lured onto the rocks. Mm-hmm. You think that phony detour sign back there... It was there... just like a false signal to a seaman. It lured us onto this back road. When they get good and ready, they'll come for us. Maybe you're right, kid. Well, Jerry, we can't just sit here and wait to be murdered. Look, Glenn, up there in the hill through the trees. See those lights? Looks like a big house. Hey, maybe they've got a phone. We could call the police. Uh-huh. And maybe... Maybe what, Jerry? Nothing. You think maybe they're the ones who lured us here? We'll have to take the chance, Linda. here is so soft. Isn't there a path through these woods? There is. We could never find it now. <sighs> anyway, this is the quickest. There are the lights of the house up ahead through the trees. Such big trees. So old and bare. They look like evil things. Like they're waiting to twine their arms around us and crush us. Quit it, kid. You'll work yourself up for nothing. We'll be at the house in a minute. What? What is it? The lights, they went out. The house, it's all dark. Quiet, Rich, Why did they put the lights out, Jerry? Maybe they went to sleep. What do we do? We'll go up and ring the bell. That's what we'll do. Jerry. What? Do you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, someone playing the piano in there. In the dark. Oh, it sounds uncanny. Come on, I'm going to ring the bell. Piano stopped? Yeah. I think I hear someone coming. Still no lights? Excuse me, the creeps. Someone's opening the door. Good evening. Caught in the storm, eh? Won't you come in? Uh... Your lights, aren't they working? <laughs> How stupid of me. I'd forgotten. Yeah. That better? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I'm Jerry Watson. This is my sister, Linda. Th- th- this is Butch. How do you do? My name is Considine. Gregory Considine. And you're quite welcome, I assure you. Mr. Considine, there's been a tree cut across the road down there. Tree? Cut? You mean struck by lightning? I don't think so, sir. I think it was done deliberately. I'd like to use your phone to call the police. Hmm. I'm so sorry. The phone is out of order. The storm, you know. 
I'm sure you must be mistaken about tree. You must be soaked through and through. Please follow me into the library. I'll get you some dry clothes. Jerry, did you see his eyes? He's blind. That's why I was playing the piano in the dark. Right in here, please. It's a nice crackling fire. You can warm up while I ring for my handyman. Matt will be here in a moment. I heard what you said to your brother, Miss Watson. Oh, I'm sorry. Not at all. I managed quite well. You live alone here, Mr. Considine? Uh, just my brother Vincent and I. And Matt, of course. We seldom see strangers here. No one uses this old back road. Mr. Considine... Someone put a phony detour sign out on the main road. Really? Sounds almost incredible. Ah, here's Matt. You uh, ring for me, Mr. Gregg? Matt, uh, this is Miss Watson and her brother, and, and Butch. They've been caught in the storm. I think there's some dry clothing in the west room. Yes, Mr. Gregg. Here, yeah, this way, please. Are you in there, Gregg? What have you done with those people? Oh, dear. It's my brother Vincent. I'm afraid I'll have to ask a favor of you. Please overlook anything Vincent may say. He's, shall I say, a bit strange. Oh, here you are. Well, introduce me to your friends, Greg. Go upstairs, Vincent. Go upstairs, Vincent. Is that all you have to say to your brother? What are you going to do to these people? What are you planning for them? Vincent. You can't shut me up. Look here, mister. And young lady, take a bit of advice from me. Don't stay in this house overnight, or you'll never live to see the morning. Get out, quick. Matt, you know what to do. No. Yes, Mr. Gregg. No, please. Keep away from me, Matt. Keep away. I warn you, mister. Get your sister out of me. No, let go of me, Matt. Hey, he knocked him out. I regret that it was necessary, Mr. Watson. Vincent is difficult at times. Please pay no attention to what he said. I'm very sorry that you had to witness this painful scene. Uh, Matt, please carry Mr. Vincent upstairs and lock him in his room. I hope you like these rooms. Yes, thank you. Yes, I'm sure we'll be comfortable, Mr. Considine. They're adjoining rooms, as you see. And these doors bolt on the inside. I advise you to keep them locked all night. We surely will. Thank you for these dry clothes and for the tea. You're quite welcome, I assure you. Now just try to get a good night's sleep. Everything will be all right in the morning. Jerry, I'm scared. So is Butch. And so am I. What'll we do? First thing to do is bolt the door. He's blind. Yet he frightens me, Jerry. The way he ordered his brother knocked down. Jerry, there's something I've got to tell you. What is it, kid? The name of that family of old-time wreckers. It's Considine. You mean these are the people... Their ancestors used to loot ships. And now they're working on motors. 
poor Vincent tried to warn... Jerry, what are we going to do? We've got to get out of here before they come up to finish us off. Let's take a look out the window. Oh, it's pitch black out there. Look by the streak of lightning. Did you see? Yes, I did. That man, that Matt, standing under the tree with a rifle. We're stuck. No escape. What's that? Someone tapping against the wall. In there. Can you hear me? Who is it? It's Vincent. I'm in the room next door to you. It's locked on the outside. Can you get me out? We'll be right there. <laughs> Quiet, Butch. Oh, Jerry, maybe there's a chance. If Vincent will help us. Come on, kid. Yeah. No noise. Here, this is the door. Look, it's bolted on the outside. They must keep them locked up all the time. Well, here goes. Vincent? Here I am. Don't make any noise. My brother has ears like a cat. And don't let him fool you. He may be blind, but he's more dangerous than any man who can see. How are we going to get out of here? Matt's watching outside with a rifle. Listen. The piano. My brother is amusing himself in the dark. He always plays the piano when he has something on his mind. Do you know any way for us to get out of here? Well, there's only a slim chance. Now listen to me carefully. The only chance is to get out the back way. But you have to pass the open living room door downstairs... And Greg is in there at the piano. And what do we do? Well, you wait here. I'll go down first. And see if they've left the cellar door unlocked. I'll come back for you. Please, don't move until I return. Be careful. Yes, don't worry. I will. Jerry, what'll happen if Greg hears him? Greg will probably call Matt and lock him up again. And what'll become of us? We'll worry about that later. He stopped playing. Yeah. Do you think he heard Vincent coming down? Jerry, Greg caught him. What will we do? Come on, we're going down. The lights are all out down here. I don't hear anything. Where do you think Greg is? Maybe waiting to jump us in the dark. Come on, I don't care. Stick behind me. We're going in the living room. Where's Butch? I don't know. Oh. What is it? My foot touched on me. A body. Oh. Oh. Then I'm going to take a chance on the flashlight. Stand by. All right. Oh. Great sky. What is it? Look. What is it? What... That isn't Vincent. It's Greg. Oh. He's been stabbed. Watch out. Vincent... Somewhere around. Kill you. What do you mean? My brother Vincent. The one who's been doing the wrecking. We always keep him locked up. But tonight, he got away. Planted the detour sign. Cut the tree. Vincent did all that. Matt and I, we tried to stop him. Matt went out to the road. Took down the detour sign. But it was too late. Watch out. He'll be back. He'll kill you. He's dead. Jerry. 
poor Greg. And we thought of... Oh, the lights! Thank you for waiting for me. Vincent! Where'd you get that rifle? From Matt. He won't need it anymore. What are you going to do? <laughs> what do you think? You're crazy. Well, aren't we all? Now, my good friends, if you'll just say a prayer. Any little prayer will Don't do. Don't point that gun at my sister. It won't do you any good to stand in front of her. This rival is a 30-30. Now, if you're ready... Jerry, he's mad. Look out! Quit! Let him go! Let go the gun went off in his face. Oh, Jerry. Take it easy, kid. He's dead. Don't, don't look at him. He isn't pretty to look at. What you did all right. Oh, kid. You can write your feature story now. The story of the records of Hurricane Cove. And it'll be under your own byline, too. Oh, I know you write it under a double byline, Jerry. The records of Hurricane Cove by Linda Watson and Butch. Well, Butch, uh, how does it feel to have a byline? Uh-huh, you like it. You like collaborating, don't you? Uh-huh, especially with a pretty girl like Linda, huh? <laughs> Which just goes to prove that there's a little bit of wolf in the best of dogs. But do you know the difference between a wolf call and a wolf whistle, Mr. Host? Uh, let me think. When a fellow gives a wolf whistle, he's starved for love. And when he gives a wolf call, he's just plain starved. In which case, there's just one thing to do. Feed him. But if you really want to appeal to his better nature, see that he winds up every meal with a good big cup of satisfying Lipton tea. Men certainly go for that brisk Lipton flavor. It's so lively and full of zip. So make a note right now to ask your grocer for Lipton tea tomorrow morning. Once you taste full-bodied Lipton tea, you'll know why you find Lipton tea in more teacups than any other brand of tea in the world. For Lipton is tea at its delicious best. Start enjoying it real soon. Get the tea with brisk flavor. Get Lipton tea. Parting word of advice, friends. If you should ever awake from a hideous nightmare and find yourself driving in a mental fog along a lane that has no turning, with madmen lurking behind trees waiting to strike you down, and strange beasts with red tongues lapping at your ankles, and the bare and ugly trees stretching forth their gnarled arms to crush you, and there is no escape, no escape at all, why worry about it? You won't come out alive anyway. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Benefit Performance by Richard Say. And next week, the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups will bring you another Inner Sanctum story directed by Hyman Brown and called Murder in the Night. Correction, there'll be three murders. 
You know, it's going to take a lot of nerve to hear this tale out, so I don't suppose you'll be listening. That is, unless you've just got to find out how a brass button in a dead man's hand traps the murderer. If so, tune in to Inner Sanctum next week at the same time. Until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. That was Inner Sanctum. Up next, you have an episode of The Whistler, which uh, wasn't necessarily uh, meant to be a spooky old-time radio show. It was more like a, a crime drama kind of thing. Um, I've never quite known what category to put it in. It's uh, it's definitely a unique show. But this is a this this is an episode that I, I think kind of kind of fits in with the theme today. It's called Death Comes at Midnight. So here's that for you. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of the Whistler? I'm the Whistler. having a nightmare, John. Huh? Oh, good heavens, Clara. It was awful. I... I dreamed there was a man in this room and he stood right over me. And he said I was going to die. I was going to be murdered within 48 hours. Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. I, the whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And so I tell you tonight the strange story, Death Comes at Midnight. John Prentice is a manufacturer, a very busy man who needs his rest. But John had a frightful dream. The dream was not brought on by a guilty conscience, for John's life has been above reproach. He loves his wife, Clara, and their grown daughter, Eva. He has done no wrong to any man. Why, then, this awful dream with its prophecy of death? Now, the following evening, the Prentices are planning to attend a lecture, and Dwight Cooper, Eva's fiancé, is going with them. The wife and daughter are in the living room awaiting his arrival. Well, there's Dwight now, Mother. I'll go to the door. Oh, wait a minute, Eva. You'd better make sure who it is before you open the door. Oh, Mother, you're still worrying about that dream Daddy had last night. Well, I can't help being nervous about it. Well, of course it's Dwight. We're expecting him, aren't we? I'm going to let him in. Well, enter, my lord. Hello, darling. How come you're answering the door yourself? Maid's not out? <laughs> We haven't got a maid. She went to work in a war plant. Well, good for her. We're going to do without a maid for the duration. That's the spirit. Good evening, Miss Prentice. Good evening, Dwight. Now, you see, Mother, it wasn't a big bad wolf after all. Not this time. 
But we'd better be careful, Eva. Well, what's this about a big bad wolf? Mm, seems that Mother believes in dreams, Dwight. And last night, Dad had one that was really a honey. Oh, I don't believe in dreams. Oh, Daddy! Yes? Dwight's here, so hurry up. Come here in just a minute. <laughs> Talk about a woman taking her time dressing. Well, what about this dream? You tell him, Mother. Well, I don't believe that all dreams have a meaning. Uh, but uh, this one John had was a prophecy, and I'm concerned about it. Yes? He kept hearing a man's voice telling him over and over that he was going to be murdered within 48 hours. Murdered? Can you imagine such a thing? Oh, well, I wouldn't be alarmed, Mrs. Prentice. According to psychologists, a dream has no possible relation to the future. They say a dream comes from experiences of the past that have been registered in the subconscious mind. Well, if John's been murdered in the past, I haven't heard about it. <laughs> oh, now, wait. I didn't mean it quite as literally as all that. The mother's been counting the hours, Dwight. Let's see, the dream came at midnight last night. That means Dad's hour of doom is midnight tomorrow. If he isn't murdered sooner. Maybe we'd better not risk taking him to the lecture. Oh, huh? I wish you two wouldn't joke about it. I I don't think it's any joking matter. Oh, I'll get it. Hello? Hello? Mr. Prentice there? Well, he's busy right now. Could I take a message? Yeah. Tell him he better come to the phone, whether he's busy or not, if he wants to save his life. What? This is a matter of life and death. Oh, well, hold the line a minute. Of all the amazing things, there's a man on the phone who sounds like a gangster. He wants to talk to Daddy about saving Daddy's life. His life? Maybe I'd better talk to him. Oh, no, no. Uh, no, get John on the phone. Call him, Eva. Oh, uh, Daddy, you want it on the phone. It's important. All right, I'm coming. Oh, don't tell me that dream didn't mean anything. Oh, now, Mother, don't get excited. Well, just what did this fellow say? Well, he... Oh, here's Daddy. Well, hello, Dwight. Good evening, Miss Prentice. Uh, Daddy, wait. I don't know who that man is, but he's terribly hard-boiled, and he said I'd better get you to the phone if you want to save your life. What's this? Oh, John, I... I'll, I'll, I'll see what it's all about. Hello? Mr. Prentice? Yes? You don't know me, but you better pay attention to what I'm telling you, see? A certain man here in town, a wealthy guy... He's offered me a nice piece of dough to put you out of the way. What? But I want to be reasonable, see? So I'll consider... Hey, are you listening? Yes, yes, I, I, I'm listening. Go ahead. Well, if you want to hike the ante a little bit, say to three grand, I'll call off my deal with this guy. What's more, I'll give you his name. I see. Now, three grand's a small matter to you, so... Wait a minute. Suppose you come here to the house and we'll talk it over. Do I sound like a chump? You're coming to see me, and you're bringing the dough. Oh, no, I'm not. You think I'm going to walk into a trap? You mean you're turning down my proposition? I certainly am. All right, mister. You asked for it. You'll be a goner by midnight tomorrow. All right. So listen... Hello? 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 <laughs> Midnight tomorrow. Now, not only in a dream, but in actual fact, John has been told that he will not live beyond that hour. John phones the police, and a few minutes later, Captain Arnold arrives at the house. Mr. Prentice, can you think of anyone who'd like to have you put out of the way for any reason at all? I... No. No, Captain, I really can't. 
Now, you've been in business a good many years. Uh, how about your business rivals? Well, of course, I've, I've made a certain amount of enemies, of course. Yeah. I don't think any of them would go so far as to hire somebody to kill me. Well, you never can tell. Suppose you name some of your enemies. Oh, no, I... I'm afraid, Captain, I couldn't do that. Well, see here, why not? Well, frankly, because I, I might be causing an innocent person a lot of embarrassment. Oh, well, what of it? We've got to get to the bottom of this some way. Uh, have you had a quarrel with anyone recently? I know, I uh, haven't. Think carefully now. Well, yes, yes, come to think of it, I did have a rather heated argument with a man the other day in my office. Oh, but I'm well, sure... Well, then, who was he? I'd rather not say. Was he a wealthy man? Yes. Then tell me his name. Oh, no, Captain. I'd rather not. <laughs> You'd go to his house and question him, and I don't want... How can the police help you if you won't help yourself? Well, this is none of my business, Mr. Prentice, but if I were you... No. No, Dwight. There's no use arguing. Got my own ideas on the subject. Well, that's that, I guess. We'll have to conduct our investigation without your help, Mr. Prentice. Oh, by the way, Captain, I'd... I'd feel a lot safer if you'd send an officer out to watch the house tonight. Well, I brought a man with me. He's out in the car. I'll leave him here. Oh, that'll be fine. I'll leave the car, too, in case he needs it. Well, we'll do what we can, Mr. Prentice. Let us know the developments. Well, of course, and I want to thank you, Captain. Good night. Good night. Good night, Captain. So John is unwilling to give the name of the man with whom he quarreled. <laughs> is it really because he's concerned about the possible embarrassment of an innocent person? Tonight the house will be well guarded, and as an added protection, Dwight has agreed to stay in the Prentice home. John, feeling quite safe, has gone to bed and fallen into a sound sleep. Then at exactly midnight... Oh, oh, let me go. Let me go. I don't want to die. John. No, no, don't throw me off the bridge. No. Wake up, John. No, no, no. no. Wake up, John. Uh, uh, what? It's all right, John. You're in your room. Nothing's happening to you. Oh. You've been shouting your head off. Mother. Mother, what is it? Your father's had another nightmare. I thought that was it. Yes, even. It was terrible. What kind of a dream was it? Like the other one? Oh, it was worse. Now I know how I'm going to die and when. Oh, you're not going to die. I'm afraid of What did you dream, John? He... He took me in a car to the old river bridge on Tower Street. Who took you? I don't know. I never saw him before. He tied my hands behind me with a rope, and when we got to the bridge, he dragged me out of the car and oh. threw me into the river. Oh, my heavens. Just, just as we came to the bridge, I saw an illuminated clock. The hands were pointing to twelve. That's when I'm going to die. Oh, Daddy. What time is it now? Well, it's after 12. Oh. Then it's tomorrow at midnight, just like that man said. Daddy, don't talk like that. This dream doesn't mean anything. What about my other dream? It meant something. No, it didn't. That phone call didn't have a thing to do with your dream. It, it was just a coincidence. Our things will look different to you in the morning. Eva. Yes? Would you mind sending Dwight in here? But he's asleep, Daddy. I know, but please send him in. I, I want to talk to him. No. All right. Sit down, Dwight. They told me about the dream, Mr. Prentice. But I wouldn't let it bother me if I were you. I can't help being bothered. The dream was so vivid, Dwight. And it fits in so perfectly with what's happening in real life. 
Yes, I'll admit that's rather strange. The reason I sent for you, well, if anything should happen to me, I want you to sort of take charge of things for Clara and Eva. How do you mean? I've made a will that takes care of my property, but there's my life insurance. It amounts to $100,000, and the money will have to be invested. I see. Who's the insurance payable to? Clara, but of course she knows nothing about investments. You advise her, will you, Dwight? I've got faith in your judgment. Yes. I'll be glad to help in any way I can. I come to think of it, I, I owe a payment on that policy right now. But the grace period isn't up for a couple of days yet. I'll make the payment if I'm still alive. Oh, I have an idea you'll be alive, all right. But as you say, if anything should happen... I'll be glad to advise Mrs. Prentice. Oh, I knew you would, Dwight. And thanks. Next morning, John announces that he will stay at home all day. Clara, upset by the events of the night before, remains in her room. But John is feeling much better. He views things differently with the coming of a new day. He will not yield to this feeling of inevitable doom. He will fight the situation. <laughs> Hello? Mr. Prentice? Oh, it's you again. Dwight, get on that extension in the library. Just, uh, thought I'd call and ask if you've changed your mind. No, I have not. Much more, I defy you to even lay a hand on me. I'm being protected by the police. Well, ain't that fine. So you won't come across, huh? No, I won't. Look, Prentice... The water in that river is awful cold. What? What did you say? Hello. Hello. Dwight, did you hear that? What's the matter, Daddy? I heard every word. Sounded like he meant business. Something wrong? That man, he phoned me again. I don't know what to think. Well, what did he say? He he wanted to know if I changed my mind, and when I told him I hadn't, he he told me the water in the river would be awfully cold. What? How did he know about my dream? How did he know? Yeah, it's the most uncanny thing I ever heard of. What's the answer to all this? Daddy... He didn't know about your dream. It's just the other way around. Well, what do you mean? I'm afraid Mother's right. Your dreams are foretelling the future, Daddy. They're warning you of what's going to happen. And now John's spirits are crushed again. For if the dream told the truth, then his fate is sealed in spite of anything he can do. Dwight, however, is not ready to give up. He is annoyed with Eva for admitting her belief in the dream. Darling, for your father's sake, you shouldn't have said what you did, even though you believe it yourself. I know, Dwight. Perhaps I shouldn't have said it before I thought. But there must be something to those dreams. Yes, I know. You've got me guessing. But look, let's try to do something. Do what? I've been thinking about this quarrel your father had. He won't tell us the man's name, but... Maybe we can find out. How? Through your father's secretary. Coral took place in his office, you know. Oh, yes. Miss Edwards might know about it. Well, shall we get out and see her? But look, let's not tell her what we want the information for. The less we say about this situation, the better. Well, we'll give her some other reason. Yes. Get your coat and hat on, honey. We'll get out of my car. Miss Edwards, this is Mr. Cooper, my fiancé. How do you do? Miss Edwards. We'd like to ask you a few questions, if you can spare us a few moments. Why, yes, of course. My father isn't feeling very well today, and that's why he didn't come down. See, we've learned that he's rather upset about a heated argument he had recently with some wealthy man here at the office. Argument? Daddy won't talk about it. He hasn't even mentioned the man's name, but it's quite necessary that we find out all we can about it. If you'll tell us who the man was, we'll treat the matter in confidence. But, uh, I don't know of any fuss your father had, Miss Prentice. He... 
He's quite an even-tempered man. Yes. Are you sure you don't remember? Very well. There was an argument. I, I couldn't hear what was being said. They were in your father's private office, but I did hear your father talking quite angrily with Mr. Reeves. Who's he? Milton Reeves. He's been in several big deals with Mr. Prentice. Oh. Couldn't you hear anything that was being said? No. Just their loud voices. Uh, Mr. Reeves was angry, too, but I really couldn't make out what they said. No? Well, at any rate, we've got something to go on, either. Yes. I think we'd better have a talk with Mr. Reeves. Thank you, Miss Edwards. You won't tell Mr. Prentice that I said anything, will you? And, or Mr. Reeves, either? Oh, no. You can depend on that. <laughs> I'm Dwight Cooper, Mr. Reeves, and this is Miss Prentice. How do you do, Miss Prentice? John Prentice's daughter, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, what is it, Mr. Cooper? I'm in a bit of a hurry. I, I'm i going away on a trip this afternoon. I'll be very brief. We've heard that you and Mr. Prentice had some sort of a disagreement with each other a few days ago. Yes? Who told you that? Well, Mr. Prentice is quite ill, Mr. Reeves, and we think it's a result of that quarrel. If we could find out something about it, we might be able to straighten him out. Well, John knows all about it. He won't talk about it, Mr. Reed. He won't, eh? Well, John shouldn't let a thing like that get him down. Business is business, you know. He wanted me to renew a loan, and I refused to do it. So that was it. In his particular business, well, I I don't know what the future will be with all this rationing and priorities. Had you promised to renew the loan? Well, as a matter of fact, I had. But I changed my mind, which is my privilege. John wanted me to wait a few days. Said he was trying to borrow some money from the state mutual. But I didn't think it was good business to wait, so I called the loan. Oh, I see. I imagine that made him pretty angry. Did it? You'll pardon me, Miss Prentice, for talking so frankly about your father, but really, I never heard a man get so abusive in my life. Why, he actually threatened me. Yes? He acted like a schoolboy. Said he'd get revenge. Do you think he will get revenge? Oh, no, no, I... Oh, yes. You're afraid of him, aren't you? You'd like to arrange things so he couldn't possibly get revenge, wouldn't you, Mr. Reeves? Did you threaten him? Say, what are you getting at? I think you know what we're getting at. I do not. Now, see here. I've told you all I'm going to tell you, so now I'll ask you both to leave. Surely. You've told us quite enough, Mr. Reeves. Dwight, hadn't we better go to the police station and tell Captain Arnold? No, darling, not yet. I'm sure Reeves is the one who's hired that thug to kill your father. So am I. He said he was going on a trip. He wants to be out of the way when it happens, so he won't be suspected. Of course. Then why shouldn't we have him arrested? I'd like to get more evidence first. I want to find out more about that loan. Who do you think could tell me? Well, Mr. McAdams ought to be able to tell you. He's the treasurer of Daddy's firm. All right, I'll go see him. Look, honey, suppose you take a taxi and go on home. See how things are getting along. Oh, Dwight, I... Please, honey, I may have to do some running around. Look, don't tell your father about this. Oh, no. All right, Dwight. But don't be gone too long. I won't tell him. But Dwight has been gone much too long to suit Eva. It is now 11.30 at night. Eva and her mother have become increasingly nervous as the clock ticks off the seconds, bringing the time closer and closer to midnight, John's last moment on earth. 
Oh, for heaven's sakes, Dwight, where have you been? We've been worried to death. Well, one thing led to another. McAdams had gone out in the country, but I finally caught up with him. Have you told the police about Mr. Reed? No, I haven't. Where's Mr. Prentice? In the library. Oh, he's in a terrible state of mind, Dwight. He's got the door locked. He told the policeman to stand outside his window. Someone at the door. Oh, my heavens. Oh, why didn't the police... Now, don't stop. get panicky. I'll mother. see who it is. Open the wicket. It's a messenger boy. It might be a trick. It looks all right. Telegram for Mr. Prentice. All right, I'll take it. Sign here. There you are. Oh, thanks, mister. I wonder who'd be... Mrs. Travis, have I your permission to open this message? For certain reasons, I'd like to see who it's from. Why, yes, Dwight. Go ahead. What is it, Dwight? It's important. Very important. I've got to show it to your father right away. Mr. Prentice, open up. It's Dwight. Mr. Prentice. It's all right, Daddy. Unlock the door. Dwight's got a telegram for you. Hmm. Why doesn't he answer? Well, go outside and look through the window. The officer's out there. Come on. Where is that officer, Eva? I don't see him. I don't know, Dwight. Daddy told him to stay right here by the window. Eva, look. The window's wide open. What? What's that? Oh, my heavens. There's the policeman on the ground. Something's happened to him. He's hurt. Officer. <laughs> Officer. He's coming around. What happened? Uh, hey, I seen a car drive up in the alley. Oh. Light-colored sedan. And just as I, I started to investigate, somebody slugs me in the back of the head. That's, that's all I remember. And they got him. They've got Daddy. Darling, I'm, I'm going after that sedan. How do you know where it went? I'll find it. I'll drive to the Tower Street Bridge. I'm going with you. No, you stay here, Eva. Why does Dwight think he'll find the light-colored sedan at the Tower Street Bridge? Is it because Mr. Prentice saw that bridge in his dream? Or is there another reason? A reason known only to Dwight. But Eva can't wait, and so a moment later, another car speeds toward the bridge. The policeman's car. The officer is at the wheel, and Eva and Clara are by his side. Oh, officer, can't you go faster? I'm driving as fast as I can, Miss Prentice. Say... I'd better put in a radio call to headquarters and have them send a squad car to the other side of that bridge. No telling what we'll run into there. There's the bridge right ahead, officer. And I there's see the clock. It. What clock? The one Daddy saw in his dream. And look, it's midnight. I don't know nothing about the dream, Miss Prentice. All I, I see know... a car out on the bridge. You see it? That's the baby. That's the one I saw at the house. Where's Dwight's car? Dwight's car isn't there. Oh, he must have got lost. Say, we'd better watch our step. The squad car ain't come to the other end yet. Oh, hurry, officer. Now, don't you get out of the car. You stay here. I'll see what's going on. Yes, but hurry. All right, Miss Prentice. You and your mother can come here. Is Daddy there? There ain't a soul here. The car's deserted. Oh. Be too late. He's already done it. Who's done what? Oh, can't you remember anything I told you about Daddy's dream? I'm talking about that man. He's thrown Daddy in the water. Oh. Isn't there something we can do? Oh, it couldn't have happened very long ago. If 
your father's been thrown in the river, Miss Fentress. He's a goner, but now nobody could swim in that current. What I can't figure out is why the guy left the car here. Oh, poor John. There's some rope in the back of the car. And a knife. He tied at his hand. Hey, here comes the squad car now. They're coming in from the other end of the bridge. Officer, who's this car registered to? Wait a minute. By golly, there's no registration slip in it. I know who it belongs to. Milton Reed. I'll take the number and we'll check on it later. Well, what's up, Jack? Uh, it looks like there's some dirty work been going on here. Yeah? Well, maybe this guy knows something about it. Quit showing me, will you? Where'd you pick him up? He was running away from the bridge. Oh, he was, huh? All right, buddy. What do you know about this sedan? Not a thing. I wasn't on the bridge. Well, that's him. That's the man who threatened Daddy over the phone. I can tell by his voice. Well, now we're getting someplace. All right, you. Give. Where's Mr. Prentice? I don't know what you're talking about. You threw him into the river, didn't you? No. You're a liar. Come on. Talk. I don't know nothing. We'll get you to talk at headquarters. A few minutes later, the river's being dragged for Prentice's body. But what has become of Dwight? He hasn't been seen since he drove away toward the bridge. The two heartbroken women return home to wait for the sad news. They step into the house, and Mrs. Prentice breaks into a sob. Oh, come, Mother. You must try to get hold of yourself. We, we must try to be brave. Oh, I know, dear. I know. What has become of Dwight? Oh, I don't know what on earth could have happened to him. Eva, darling. Dwight! What are you doing there in the library? We thought you'd run out on us. Well, I haven't been here long. Oh, Dwight, it's terrible. I never dreamed such a thing was going to happen. No, no, just be patient, darling. <laughs> I'll tell you everything. I told you I finally saw McAdams. Yes? Well, the story about the loan was a lot worse than we thought. I found that Reeves had a grudge against your father. So he planned to ruin him and get everything he had. And he did just that. By refusing to renew and calling the loan. He did it deliberately. He worked in a backhanded manner and wrecked the business. He held the paper on everything your father owned. Father? Father's broke? Yes. Reeves broke your father. Oh, no. Absolutely penniless. Reeves has the business, this house, everything. He pulled it so fast that your father hadn't a chance to get on his feet. When I found that out, I suspected the truth, but I wasn't sure until I got to that bridge. The truth? Then you did go to the bridge. I did. And I got there just in time to prevent the tragedy. I pulled, pulled your father into my car by force, turned around on the bridge, and came back here. Uh, what are you saying? He, he isn't dead. No, he's here, in the library. Oh, oh heaven. John, John. No, no, just, just a minute, please. I'll bring him in. Come in, Mr. Prentice. Oh, Father, thank heaven you're safe. John, what happened? I know how you feel, Mr. Prentice, but you better tell him. Yes, Dwight, I will. You see, my dears, I just couldn't bear the thought of my wife and daughter suffering poverty. The only thing I had left was that insurance policy, and it would have lapsed in another day. I had to think fast. John, you don't if mean... If I'd commit suicide while the policy was in effect, you'd get $100,000. But I wanted to spare you the disgrace of the suicide, so I decided to kill myself and make it appear as though I'd been murdered. <sighs> then, as I developed the plan, I got an inspiration. Why not hang the murder on Reeves, the man who had deliberately ruined me? That would be my revenge. Well, now you know the whole story. 
Now you understand the nightmares. But the telephone call... Well, I hired the man to make the calls and steal Reeves' car and drive me to the bridge and then give me the motor as though it had stalled. All so that my murder could be traced directly to Reeves, who really had a motive to kill me. What motive? Well, my secretary knew all about it. When I discovered it was Reeves who was back at my failure, I threatened to divulge something I knew about him. He flew into a rage. The secretary heard him, and that was just what I wanted. But I knew I couldn't raise the money quickly enough, and my insurance policy was up tomorrow at noon. Well, that's the story. And it's all a miserable mess. <laughs> yes, John. It's all a very, very sad situation. Oh, but wait a minute. What about that telegram the boy delivered earlier? Where does that fit in? Was that part of your plan, John? Telegram? What telegram? Let me see it, Dwight. Why, it's... It's from the State Mutual. They've granted the loan I requested. Yes, John, they've granted the loan. Now you can straighten things out. Now you can get back on your feet again. But think, John, what a sad tale this would have been if you'd followed through with your plan and Dwight hadn't caught you on the bridge at midnight. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. All right, thank you for listening to Yesterday Today. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry it was just me in the studio today. We'll be we'll all be back together next week, I think. So, yeah, should be should be back to back to normal schedule then. So, in the meantime, enjoy that nice fall weather out there, folks. Get those pumpkins carved. Get those scarecrows situated properly. All the all the good stuff. I'll see you next week. The house is haunted by the echo of your last goodbye. The house is haunted by the echo of your last goodbye. The house is haunted by memories that refuse to die. I can't get away from a vision that brings intimate glimpses of intimate things. A voice in my heart like a tart singer sings. I wonder.